We have done this before, have we not? Uh, Iowa certainly planning on a different result uh, two years later. Welcome to Hawkeyes Live right here at the Voice of College Football. Appreciate you stopping by as always. Leave those comments and questions in the chat. They will stand out with a super chat, certainly. Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App is another way to contribute. Always let us know that it is for the Iowa Hawkeyes show right here at the Voice of College Football. Corey Brad is here from the Hawkeye of the Storm, of course. Corey, how are you doing today? Doing good, Mark. How are you? I am doing just fine. Glad to hear that you have received credentials for the Big Ten Championship game. That's exciting. I will be there. I, will be there. I told people last night, I said, uh, I doubt they get approved. And um, if they do, I'll, I'll let everybody know. And they did. So kudos to the Big Ten for that. Appreciate the uh, the access. And um, I look forward to, to Indianapolis. Uh, should be should be a, a good experience, fun experience. Um, you know, Lucas Oil, I've heard nothing but great things about Lucas Oil Stadium from an NFL standpoint and from a championship game standpoint. So it'll be nice to be there. And it may be Iowa's last chance for a while, given the changes with the Big Ten coming. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, we, it looks like we're going to have dry weather. I, I don't know of any issues with travel expected. So um, we'll see. It should be a, a fun week. You wielded your clout. See, for me, I had to, like shoot an email back to say, look who I am, look at what I've done for them to approve my credential request. Yeah, but that, that was, I was just talking about that last night because somebody asked me, hey, did you get word back on, on your application? And I said, no, nah, but I said, if you read the bylaws of, um, you know, the terms or whatever, their, their criteria for accepting or not accepting an application uh, for approval Specifically for the Big Ten Championship game, I mean, it, it almost, the bylaws almost sound a little antiquated based on how games were covered, you know, 15, 20 years ago or better. Uh, and there's still your traditional newspaper. Um, well, there's not as many, but there are some traditional newspaper sites that have transitioned to a digital publication. And then, of course, you have your, your online-only digital um, coverage teams like On3, Rivals, you know. 247 sports, but um, I was appreciative of this. I mean, I appreciate the Big Ten um, vetting me, if, if, however they do that, however they go about that process, because um, I know when when that happened with you um, for the Big Ten media days, which I would think would be easier to get more people into because it's on the field, not in the press box, you had to fight. And, you, you know, you guys, you obviously have a lot more backing on the bigger stage than I do. So uh, I'm maybe the Big Ten is slowly starting to adjust. I think people in general, organizations and, and people in general have kind of had to adjust how they view the non-mainstream media and the alternate versions of, of coverage that we see today because um, I've had multiple people and I'm certainly not, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that cover this sport inside and out. They're at every press conference. They're at every opportunity to talk with the players during the week i don't even live in iowa city but um it always does flatter me whenever somebody calls in during a call-in show and says hey i appreciate your work i'm down in texas or i'm in missouri or i'm in arkansas and you're how i get hawkeye news and hawkeye updates and i i appreciate hearing that and so um you know w way we consume information and and content has changed immensely and i have to credit the big 10 because after causing a bit of an uproar on social media after I was turned down, because I, I did get feedback from a number of people that work for outlets like 247 Sports and On3 and others that were like, no, they will give you credentials. They just, they, they need to have some more information. But that was their process. They just kind of blindly went to every school and said, does this platform attend the games? And when they received 14 no's, they just... Um, rubber stamped it as a no. And then with more information, they were, they were extremely good in having that conversation with me and receiving more information. So yes, congratulations for that. We will look forward to your coverage from Indy. You have any thoughts about when you're headed down? So ironing those things out. Um, but, uh, it won't, it'll be one of those things about seven and a half hours for Ames. So that's the drive. Uh, pretty straight shot over, you know, over through the quad cities and then down on 74. So should be a pretty straightforward drive um, and get back probably Sunday. 
but uh, it'll complicate things a little bit as far as the uh, the post game show. Um, I know Coach Patterson. Uh, I think he he uh, I think he's going to be there. I don't. I guess I can't speak for him. I don't know that for certain. Um, but uh, it will complicate things a little bit. I, I will say this: um, this game. I listened to Kirk Ferentz's press conference today, and this game always has the tendency to. Like heading into the game two years ago, as you know, I had kind of a gut feeling that Iowa was going to compete better than they did, right? I mean, I can acknowledge that in hindsight. But um, this game does still generate so much buzz, at least among this fan base, that even though so many people have counted Iowa out, I think they're 24-point underdogs, there's still going to be – everybody in that stadium is going to be nervous. And it's a great event. I just hope people can celebrate this week, celebrate the event, celebrate the game and the opportunity that Iowa has – Kirk talked today about the opportunity to, to really throw a wrench in the college football playoff selection process, which he would. I mean, if they win, that will make things a challenge. It will it will make things a lot less straightforward for the committee. If they lose, it's probably going to be pretty straightforward. And I went through the scenarios. By the way, you and I talked on the phone a couple nights ago, and I did a live show last night. And I went through this the uh, scenarios again. And if people want to turn this show off because they think this is – Stupid talk. You go right ahead. But uh, FanDuel came out with their odds for national championship uh, teams to win the national title today. And Iowa's in the top nine of that. There's only nine teams listed, and Iowa's number nine. Not far behind Ohio State. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the championship, believe me. But I'm just saying that would be an indication that the odds makers believe there is a chance that Iowa somehow gets into the playoff because of where they're at with the conference championship game. And let me just recap this for anybody that wants to live in la-la land with me for a while. Iowa needs Alabama to lose to Georgia. They need Oregon to lose to Washington. They need Texas to lose to OSU. They need Florida State to lose to Louisville. They need to beat Michigan. If that happens, Georgia's 13-0. They're in. Washington's 13-0. They're in. Then you've got four teams to fill two spots. It would be um, likely uh, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. Those would be your four teams, I believe, if that was the scenario. So, yes. you know, is Iowa, is Iowa on the inside looking, outside looking in? Maybe, but that's four teams. So, I mean, those pretty, pretty sure that'd be the, those would be the four teams the playoff committee would have to sort through. So, there you go. And, and that, it's not like any of those losses are like incomprehensible. Like, I could no. see Louisville beating Florida State, might not happen. I could see OSU if they show up. I mean, we don't know what Cowboys team is going to show up to that game. If they show up, they could maybe beat Texas. Certainly, I could see Oregon and Bama losing. So we'll see. Probably the, the farthest fetched one would be Iowa beating Michigan. I think it's more a matter of which Texas team shows up because they can clobber just about anyone, but they have struggled mightily with the likes of Houston and TCU, four and five win teams. Uh, also, Iowa has, and we don't need to kind of go down this complete path because it is what it is, a win somewhat taken away from them. So would the committee talk? If the committee is not uh, talking about that or would not have that conversation that they they are not doing uh, justice to their positions, if they're not at least reviewing that, talking about it, discussing it. Uh, so that's my first point. My second point on the on the pro-Iowa side, on the other side would be after the Michigan win, the best wins are Wisconsin 7-5, and five, Iowa State 7-5. and five. Both on the road. Yeah, but that's, that is not comparable with anybody else. I'm just saying both on the road. Yeah, both on the road. But everybody else has like wins against eight, nine win teams. Well, Michigan's schedule. Let's just look at Michigan's schedule. So you cannot take away the Ohio State win. That's their biggest win on the schedule. Um, And and obviously Penn State, right? Their schedule as a whole was better than Iowa's because they played Ohio State. But they're not conference. I had somebody today on YouTube tell me, and I can pull this up. Somebody told me that uh, their UNLV win was just as good as the Iowa State win for Iowa. No. I mean, 
Give me a break. Um, let me find the the. No. Can I do a couple of dumb comments of the day for us? Yeah, little, absolutely. You like, to, you like to do that kind of thing. Um, so let's see here. We're doing it because I like to do it. Right. It's got nothing to do with me. Uh, let's go. Um, oh, here's somebody ripping me for bringing up waist downs again. Uh, let's go down to. Well, somebody told me there's zero percent chance Iowa makes the playoff. Zero. Zero, Mark. Goose egg. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, then that's fine. You know, you can you bring that up, but um let me find the the comment here. If you have something else to say while I'm looking for this, it must have been a ways down the, the Yeah, list. where was I gonna take this next? Yeah, it's fun. I love the scenarios. It's fun. I had a couple people request uh, in last night's show, Chad, what did we do last night? I, I lose track so easily. Whatever the the show we were doing last night, I guess the Big Ten live show. Yes, that Corey kicked off for us. Had a couple requests of people asking me, and I appreciate it to do college football playoff scenarios. So I will get to that. I also have uh, an Iowa-Michigan comparison statistical rundown of the two teams and against common opponents. So I will get those out as soon as possible. Well, just real quick. Um, it is a fact that Iowa uh, took care of business against Rutgers. That's not a great Rutgers team, but they curb stomped them. Right. Is there a big difference? Between I don't consider that a curb stomping. Oh, okay. So it's, what, so it's you're a close state. You're they handled you're business. It wasn't close. It was close till what? Mid, late third quarter. So what's the difference between... That's an Iowa curb stomping. Yes. What's the difference? And don't tell me nine points. What's the difference between Iowa beating Rutgers by 22 in a shutout and Penn State beating Iowa by 31 in a shutout? Uh, well, if you look at the statistical comparison, it's fairly significant. Why do we care about statistical comparisons? Because that shows level of dominance. <laughs> you, you understand that the final score—the final score—doesn't tell us everything. Would you agree with me there? It doesn't tell us. Every, it doesn't tell us everything about how we got there, but the, the, it is where we went. It's the destination. You don't think there's, there's something? And I'm just pulling this out of thin air, but I think there's a zillion examples like this. Ohio State beat Minnesota 38 to three. The score at halftime was 35 to three. They they just completely raided the bench sure, and that's not what happened mailed it Iowa in in the second half. Yeah, but that's not what happened with Iowa Penn State. No, I mean they the Iowa was still. No, in I'm not saying that Penn State was going to win fifty to nothing. No, not at all. And and every other result from Penn State and Iowa's schedule would indicate that. Most times they would play, it would be much closer than that. So real quickly, this is what uh, John Doe, of course, doesn't want to use his real name, had to say about the whole Minnesota debacle, that call. He says, there is no chance. Once again, we're going to use ul just ultimatums, gen generalities and ultimatums. There is no chance the committee considers Iowa's loss at Minnesota to be a win. Every year, teams lose games because of crap from the officials. It would be a terrible precedent to set to just undo game results. No, actually, Mark, it might be a beautiful precedent to set because we should not be competing in a college football society where officiating is the final call on all of this, okay? If the officials screw the pooch and completely, basically, overturn a result, the playoff committee has the power if they choose to go back and say, that was not right. We are not going to stand for that. It was un us unprecedented. It's not th the idea that this happens all the time. No, what we saw against Minnesota does not happen all the time. Not no. in that setting, not, a, not with a team that has only two losses or would have just one loss at the end of the year. That is unprecedented. So I'm not saying the committee is going to approach it that way, but that is unprecedented. Um, as it relates to uh, UNLV, uh, I just wanted to get this comment up here because I saw somebody in the chat was before, before you find it. I, I would say that if I was on the committee, I would argue both sides and I would want it to be discussed because I do think that it should be discussed. And I would also state that 
let's somewhat throw this game out. Not completely. The The performance on the, on the game has to be evaluated, which is not pretty for Iowa, but that's how they win games. Um, you know, Minnesota is a bad football team. And Iowa most likely, the, there's a 90-some percent certainty that they win that game if the Cooper DeGene touchdown stands. It's not a guarantee. Minnesota gets the ball with 90 seconds left, but they couldn't score a touchdown the entire game. And we know the the quality of each team on that side of the ball. Uh, so in a sense, I would tend to remove it. You know, somebody brought up an interesting point. And of course, there was no way for Cooper to Gene to know this. But if he steps out of bounds at the one yard line. Right. They don't, re- exactly. they don't review the play. That's why it's so stupid. That's yeah. why the whole thing is so stupid. And again, nobody else in that stadium. Thought it was a fair catch. No one. That's why the call was so stupid. It's not just a matter of, oh, he, you know, they overturned a touchdown catch because he was bobbling in it. I don't think he actually was. No, that's how dumb it was. Anyways, Jason uh, commented. He said six common opponents, Michigan, six and oh, Iowa, four and two. Michigan's plus 190. Iowa's plus eight. Then he says he should have stopped while he was ahead because then he says <laughs> UNLV is at least as good a non-conference W as ISU. No. That's ridiculous. Isn't UNLV, so they're they're a bowl team. I think they're, what, eight or nine wins this year? They're nine and three. They're going to play in the Mid-Mountain West Conference Championship game. So I, I don't think it's like completely horrible off the wall, but I don't agree with it, and I don't think it's that debatable. Yeah. Um, so... I a seven and five Big Twelve team versus a nine and three Mountain West team, without looking at the sure. two teams lined up, I'm taking the Big Twelve team. Yeah, they're better. Uh, they have played ten or eleven legitimate teams and very well. Michigan did Michigan play at UNLV? No. Yeah, that's what makes the comment even stupider. They played that game at home. Iowa played on the road at Iowa State in a rivalry. What, give me a break. Yeah, I would agree. I got all sorts of stats lined up on Michigan and Iowa. All sorts of stats. We're going to do our video. Yes, as you can imagine, there's a great disparity between the two when measuring common opponents. But I think that's less valid with Iowa because of the way they play football. And how exactly, and again, if we're looking at it from a perspective of win-loss margin as opposed to just record, like, these numbers, I haven't validated these numbers that Jason sent in, but if they're correct, Michigan's plus 190 against common opponents, Iowa's plus eight, but the records are six and oh and four and two. So the records are much closer than what you would think based on the plus minus. How does all of this change the conversation then if Iowa beats Michigan on Saturday? That's the whole question. If Iowa goes and defeats them or does so in an impressive fashion, which almost isn't possible, like they're going to beat them, it's going to be close. But how does that change the rhetoric and the feel? And if we're then we start looking at, um, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, and Iowa, along with FSU competing for two college football playoff spots, how do you evaluate Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan? Because Ohio State didn't play Iowa, uh, Ohio State played Michigan, lost to Michigan, but Iowa beat Michigan. Um, you can look at the common opponents of Rutgers and Penn State, and Penn State's the one that stands out. But that game was in September. You know, last week Ohio State lost to Michigan. This week Iowa beats Michigan. I don't know. I, I don't know how the uh, playoff committee sorts through all this. I don't either, uh, because it. Uh, I think Ohio State would be in a bad position, just because they lost to Michigan. Michigan lost to Iowa. But frankly, what you said earlier, and I brought it up last night, what you said to me, I think is probably right. If FSU is 13 and uh, one, or I'm sorry, 12 and one, if they're 12 and one, and then you have an 11 win Ohio State team, non conference cha- uh, championship game competitor, and then Michigan that loses along with Iowa winning, they probably, like, yeah, you say, may say, well, how are they going to put Michigan ahead of Iowa right after Iowa beat them? So what probably ends up happening is Michigan and Ohio State both get in. And Iowa sits at home along with Florida State. That would be my guess. That would be my guess as well, but I don't think it's extremely clear cut. I I think Florida State has to win this game because they're also going to take into consideration that they built 
a 12 and 0 record or an 11 and 0 record on a starting quarterback who's a top 5 to 10 starting quarterback in the country he's gone they played a very lackluster game with their backup quarterback against Florida's backup quarterback and Florida's a 5 and 17 talented team still a 5 and 17 and then if they're going to lose or yeah lose to a Louisville team that's not that highly regarded yeah Florida State's going to be out so would you you would take uh you're saying you would take an 11 and 2 conference champion Iowa over a 12 and 1 non-conference champion Florida State yes considering the circumstances that they've shown that they're not the same team with those okay. I'm I'm basing this on the what the committee has told us through the years. Okay. Well, then there you go. Then you're talking, if that's the case, and you're looking at three Big Ten teams is what you're looking at. You're looking at three Big Ten teams, and I was. that's why I know people hate me whenever I bring this up, but it's a fun conversation to have, and it's valid. You can call me delusional, and somebody called me Frankenstein yesterday. I don't know where, where that came from, but um, <laughs> I'm fine with it all. I think it's great. Well, there are some precedents for this. So Ohio State was on the very first college football playoff with a third-string quarterback having to play in the Big Ten Championship game, and JT Barrett got hurt right at the end of the Michigan game. So they got a chance to show, and the committee was very upfront to say, we're watching to see if they're a different team with a backup quarterback. And they laced late ways to Wisconsin, 59 to nothing. Boom. Well, we've got Jordan Travis out of the game for Florida State. They played one marginal team like a top 50 team and then they play a louisville team that's more like a top 15 team and they struggle and lose the second game they're going to consider them just to be a different team whether that's fair or not i don't know so where does iowa end up tonight because they moved down a ranking after beating what was it illinois last week so where do they go after that nail-biting victory against nebraska yeah, I would have to look at the rest of the the rankings to see who's around them. Not that it really to... matters because there's a lot of teams this weekend that are sitting at home. Yeah, I, I don't think that's what the, a situation like Iowa. Like and nobody should bring up where I was at in the playoff rankings right now because it really does not matter because so much of this is shifted. I mean, you get an idea for how the committee views Iowa relative to other teams, but th- things will change so much with a win against Michigan if that somehow happened. I do remind myself where I have Iowa, 14. Okay. And that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, do I think they're a top four team? No. Do I think if they went to the playoff, they'd get stomped? Yes. (laughs) Like, if, if they played Georgia in the first round of the playoff, See, this is why I don't understand why people have angst against you. It's not like you're off in fairyland saying that, oh, I was, they can do this and they can do this. You're, you're basically running through scenarios, which are reasonable scenarios. Correct. You run an Iowa channel. So as long right. as there is hope, they are playing in the Big Ten championship game. Correct. I know a lot of Michigan fans, and this was going to be my next point. I want to encourage Michigan fans to actually enjoy and embrace this game. Like I know Mike Sanristil, Michigan cornerback, very talented player, called last week's game the Big Ten Championship. I understand that. But I see a lot of Michigan fans just kind of bypassing this, like this is a waste. We don't need to play this. Yeah, hopefully the team takes that type of attitude and, and guess what guess what I, I this is the same experience i had two years ago the only difference mark the only difference with me from a fan interaction standpoint a couple of days into game week coverage is i'm not predicting iowa wins so like that's the only difference because like people even in you go through the chat right now and this is the same way it was last night like people are so they're not angry because i'm not predicting iowa win but they cannot believe that i would even suggest they have a chance i mean just like Oh, how could you do that? How could you say that, Corey? It's like, what is wrong with you? We're here to break down a game. You want me to come on here and say, well, um, they're going to lose by 30 or lose by 40. I'm sure that's what they want. I'm sure that's what they want. But why why even have a game? If it's not, Iowa has earned the opportunity to compete in this game. Whether you like it or not, I don't care what the numbers say. 
They're 10 and 2. They won the division. That's how the division is set up. Whether you think it's fair or not, they earn the right to play in the game. And if they get beat 42 to 3 again, then they get beat 42 to 3. But they won the West. They have a right to compete in this game. I have a friend who watches Ohio State play, and he'll flip around and watch other games, but he doesn't, he has no idea who's ranked where, what the records are, anything like that. But he has heard about Iowa. (laughs) And so he asked me, he said, Man, yeah, this Big Ten championship game. So what's Iowa's record? And he was expecting me to say like seven and five. I said, well, they're 10 and two. He goes, oh, well, 10 and two. I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, okay. <laughs> he said, it sounds pretty legit. <laughs> I wonder what, uh, so remember in 2015 when Iowa was 12 and 0 and they battled through, you know, a relatively easy schedule. The West was not as bad as it, is this year. That's what's oh, crazy about 2015. So remember the Colin Cowherd stuff. I haven't heard I don't watch Colin, Colin Cowherd, but I have not heard anything from him this year. Like they have to, he has to either have embraced Iowa by now, or he has to feel the same way he did in 15, because it's even more extreme this year with how Iowa plays. I think there are some people out there that have seen enough evidence that this is just how Iowa wins games. I think you, to an extent, have seen enough evidence not to accept that, you know, I don't think you believe that Iowa's probably even a top 8-10 to 10 team, but you believe that Iowa just wins differently. And if the committee buys into that, that, you know, yeah, foul points, we've evaluated this way in the past, but... Man, look at what Iowa does year after year after year. That's a skill. They seem to know how to win games. And if they do that against Michigan, it's like, okay, one slip up against Penn State aside, they've pretty much competed the same way against everyone this year and won it basically every game with the exception being the the Minnesota thing. So, you know, I I don't know. Um, I think if they don't win this game Saturday, which is more, more than likely happens, they'll probably end up in Orlando. I don't know who they're projected to play. But, um, you know, we would already seen this, Mark, a couple days uh, following the regular season. Players announcing they're entering the portal. And, you know, it's kind of like Kentucky uh, last year. Guys are out. And this is the climax right here on Saturday. Whether it ends in embarrassment or catastrophe, this is the climax. This is the game that I would will probably define their season. Will define their season. No, not probably. Will define their season. Because it's likely they still won't make the playoff if they win, but boy, um, they will make a they will make a New Year's Six game, and to win a Big Ten title, I was not won an outright title under Kirk Ferentz. He's been here since '99. They've won a couple of shared titles, have not won, haven't won a shared title since '04. So um, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. I also told somebody else last night. I don't remember the trajectory of the conversation but basically just you know again the way iowa plays football and the units that are involved are undervalued if you added 30 points to every iowa game and i mean 30 points on both sides so suddenly they beat northwestern 40 to 37 and they beat nebraska 43 to 40 or whatever just add a ton of points on each side people would be more impressed with that and be like, Oh man, they're scoring all these points. Sure. they are close games, but, and there would be some football people. And I certainly would be tearing their defense apart saying they're not a championship caliber team because look at this defense, but people, because most people would be so excited. I had, I had a Michigan guy on yesterday and I also had, it was somebody somewhat unrelated to the big 10, that was like, just these games are brutal uh, because it was the day after Thanksgiving. I tuned into the Iowa game. I haven't watched them this season because they cover somebody else. I want that. How can that game was brutal? I said, that game was fun to watch. So that was the best game of the day. I said, <laughs> I don't enjoy watching wide receivers just run, you know, okay. free in the secondary all game and team that they, this is a physical game. And teams that don't aren't interested so much in tackling or about half their defense isn't. I don't enjoy games like that. Um, I did enjoy the Ohio State Michigan game from a tactical standpoint or from a competition standpoint. Obviously, didn't enjoy the final score because it was one of those games that 
you just had two elite teams and therefore you had offense, but then you had defense. You, you had a, a mix of the two, but yeah, special teams are something that's, that's a category I added to this Iowa, Michigan comparison return yardage. It's, it's, uh, the, I couldn't really figure out an easy way to factor in punting because if you just go punting distance, it doesn't make much sense. But, uh, Anyway, obviously, actually, Michigan has an extremely good punter as well in Tommy Doman. He has um, hit some of those cue shots inside the five-yard line the last couple of weeks. And I will note one other thing as you were talking about uh, comparison games and so forth. Is Iowa not better than Maryland? Michigan had a tough time against Maryland just two weeks ago. I was watching, uh, I know this is a totally different Michigan team and, and fans would argue it's a different Michigan era, but we were looking, I was looking back at Big Ten Network, I think it was, that uh, he'll publish like one play from each of the last five meetings between the Wolverines and the Hawkeyes. And I think the first one was like 2013 or 14, Iowa won in Kinnick. 2016, Iowa won in Kinnick. And they were like 24-point underdogs that day when... Uh, Keith Duncan kicked the game-winning field goal, and Michigan was unbeaten at the time. Uh, in 2019, Iowa lost, but it was 10-3, to and it came down to the final possession, and Iowa could not score, but they held them to 10 points. Now, this is a different Michigan team. The last two times they've played were comfortable victories, especially 2021. It, it was 42-3 to in the championship game. Now, last year, uh, Iowa kind of made a comeback, but that, that game was pretty much a convincing win in Kinnick for Michigan. And Iowa had problems stopping the run. So, like, in general, yeah, last two games, last two games you, against Michigan, you could argue, have not been competitive. But the history of this series with Kirk and Harbaugh, it's not like Harbaugh's dominated this this matchup, this series. Um, again, to get it, it's a different era. You know, last couple seasons are different. But um, I will be intrigued to see you know, I, I'm thinking about publishing maybe tomorrow or even late tonight a I never done this before like a, but a, like a five hypothetical video five item hypothetical video in other words like what if this happens during the game on Saturday like what if Caden Weijen pops off a kick return and he gets his first kick return for a touchdown on Saturday how does that change things you know what if you know when I was playing the field position battle Michigan muffs a punt inside the five you know what if that happens and you basically give Iowa seven points um you know, I saw people in the chat talking about Luke Lachey possibly playing. I, I've not heard anything that would give me an indication of that. We've been told he's got a chance maybe to be back by the bowl game. That's why he continues to be listed on the injury report. He's not out for the season as of yet. He could come back for the bowl game. But um, I, I've not heard anything to make me think he's anywhere close to being ready right now. Um, so anyways, way Iowa plays and... It has not been successful the last two tries against Michigan, but the way Iowa plays is they're waiting for you to make a mistake. And for the most part, Michigan did not make a mistake two years ago. And you could argue they've upgraded at quarterback. Um, they're probably about the same at receiver. Is that fair? They're about yes. as good as yes. receivers they were two years ago. And they're obviously really good at running back. We get that. And defensively, they're really good. I don't think there is – maybe they're not as dominant up front defensively without Aiden Hutchinson and – um. David Ojabo. Ojabo, yeah. Yeah. This Michigan team is better than the 21 team. I don't know if they're better than last year's team. So JJ's better than Cade McNamara. But they are not running the ball as dominantly uh, in a dominant fashion like they were in 21 or 22. Uh, they have not been dominant in the run game. So their offensive line... I think that is one place where Iowa can take advantage. I mentioned this to you on the phone the other night that I think Iowa can get a pass rush on JJ McCarthy. Now he, he had to face a pass rush against Ohio state and he was pretty brilliant against it in the face of pressure, either escaping or just standing in the pocket and delivering with, you know, basically somebody's face mask right in his face. Uh, but I, I, based on what I've seen, I think I was going to get a pass rush and it's going to be possibly difficult for Michigan to run the ball. Not like that they're going to get just 
you know, completely just stoned at the line of scrimmage the entire game. But they did against Ohio State for three quarters, and then they started to wear them down. I mentioned yesterday, too, uh, Iowa against Western Michigan early in September gave up several explosive plays. And that was when Cooper DeGene was still healthy. And I remember saying during the postgame show, that was a week prior to the Penn State game, I said, I bet they don't give up explosive plays next week. It was almost like, hey, that's going to be something that Phil is going to shore up without a doubt. And guess what? They had nine, They gave up 97 snaps. The defense was on the field for 97 snaps against Penn State that next week. Not a single explosive play. Not a single 20-plus yard play. Now, Penn State nickel and diamond to death, and a big part of that is because Iowa offense couldn't stay in the field. The reason I say that, that may not happen again on Saturday, but... I guarantee you Phil Parker was kicking himself over what seemed to be maybe a little bit of a coaching miscue um, that gave up the big play over the top against Chubba Purdy in Nebraska Saturday. So, you know, obviously you would expect Phil Parker to, to put his best foot forward as far as game plan and coaching this week anyways. But from that perspective, I actually have a little bit more confidence, even though Cooper's not in there. Sean Lee, Wampa, Castro, Schulte, and Jamari Harris, a little bit even more confidence that, hey, they can if they can avoid the big play, which is what this defense is predicated on, then you give yourselves a chance. They gave up a really big touchdown run to Blake Corum last year early. They gave up a halfback pass from uh, uh, Edwards in that game that ended up in a touchdown. Those are the things you can't have happen. And obviously it helps if your offense can do something early. And hit a big play. I mentioned another thing I mentioned last night was what does it mean to throw the kitchen sink at an opponent? It does not mean you've got one play in your back pocket, like a halfback pass to a fullback ready to use at some point in the game. It means you have several plays in your back pocket. It means you have a flea flicker ready. You have a double pass. You have a halfback pass, or you have a, you know, maybe you have a couple of special teams um, quirks that you haven't pulled out. Iowa was really effective. I keep going back to this from 2017 to 2019. I mean, you and I have talked about this, Mark. 2017, you had the pole cat play. Rastetter, the punter, throws it back to Tyler Kluver. Basically ended up in a touchdown, although he fell at the goal line. Uh, also in 2017, they had a pass out of a punt formation to A.J. Epinesa over his shoulder. 2018, they had a pass to Sam Brinks for a touchdown from the punter over his shoulder. Also in 2018, it was the little shovel pass from the long snapper to T.J. Hawkinson, who ran end around at Minnesota for a touchdown. I mean, they they were running a lot of these with that LeVar Woods special teams unit. Now, maybe they're just not equipped. I know Torrey Taylor is not a natural football player, passer, so maybe that's the difference. They don't have Cooper DeGene that can potentially come in and, and spark something through the air or even on the ground. But they have to be ready with multiple wrinkles, and I just hope Brian throws everything and that he, even if he's not consulting with other minds this week, that he's doing everything he can in his power his, this is his last chance on the national stage. Because if they don't win t- tomorrow, they're not going to get a game that people care about in the, in the bowl game. I mean, not re- nationally relevant bowl yes, game. You're going to care about it, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like, sure. if they win, they'll get a chance in a New Year's Six Bowl. If they don't, then this is his last hurrah. So why would you not want to go out? This is your last real big game as the Hawkeye offensive coordinator, and it's against a team that you don't like. I have a feeling, and Kirk has never said this, I think there are coaches in this conference that he likes less, but I don't think he's a big fan of cheaters, and I don't think he's a big fan of what happened two years ago at the end of that game in which Michigan was running trick plays when they're up by three, four scores. All right, that's not how Iowa operates, and that's not how Kirk Ferentz operates. So say what you want. You know, you can tell me to cry more. I'm not crying. Simply stating a fact, I can tell you for a certainty that did not rub people the right way. So Kirk wants to win on Saturday. So I hope they throw everything they have. I think there's going to be a lot of people in this conference, even though it could put the conference in some level of jeopardy in the playoff. I think there's going to be a lot of opposing fans, even if you won't admit it yourself, probably you, Mark, and a lot of other opposing fans that want to see Michigan lose. All right. And we'll be rooting for Iowa on Saturday. There'll probably be an overwhelming 75, 80% Michigan crowd there. But 
believe me, Kirk will have the guys ready. Phil will have the guys ready. The question is, what does Brian bring to the table? I am torn. So I'm already on record because I just recorded Michigan podcast with Steve Dace. And I stated on there that I want Iowa to win, that I'm rooting for Iowa to win. So, <laughs> but I am in a little conflict because I do want the Big Ten to be in the playoff. Now, the Big Ten's forecast, the the projection for the Big Ten in 2024 and going forward in terms of strength as a conference is so overwhelmingly positive that I'm okay considering yeah. that, that they, they missed the playoff. Shoot, they'll probably have four playoff teams <laughs> next year. Exactly. That's what I was just thinking too. Like they are the only other conference that has anything close to what the Big Ten brings as far as competition next year is the SEC. So it's like, yeah, exactly right. Now, the SEC, um, they're not getting two teams in unless Bama wins. So um, if Bama wins, sure, then, then you're probably looking at two SEC teams. But you're probably going to have, if, if you had to project forward without just picking the game, I mean, I guess you kind of have to pick the games in your head. Don't you think it's probably going to be Georgia, Washington? Um, I mean, Oregon could beat Washington. I think Washington's in either way. Um, maybe that's not the case. I think they'll get. I think two Pac-12 teams are in if Oregon wins. And I think the committee. No, you don't think so. No. Why? Okay. Uh, unless there's chaos. If there's chaos, we can. Well, get any teams in. But let's strike up a reasonable scenario. Um, you're, you're giving us a Georgia win. Is that what you said? Yes. Georgia, Georgia I'm, wins I'm them to be the favorites. Yes. Michigan wins. Yes. Florida state wins. Probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. Under that scenario, then you, it's going to come down to Washington versus did you say Oregon wins? Washington win. Oh, you said Washington, even if they lose, they're getting in. Right. Well, Oregon's so, going to already be in. So then you're looking at Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and then either Florida State or a one-loss Washington team. Yeah, Florida State's in if they're the undefeated ACC champion. They're not taking Washington. Washington has not looked the part well, for weeks. Fair, but they are in a better conference this year. And they're what you just no, they're not in the better they're, conference. They're not getting in. They're in a better conference, though, and they'll they be are. playing. They'll be playing with a Heisman candidate quarterback in Michael Penix Jr., whereas Florida State's playing without their quarterback. That's they're, they're not taking a one-loss, probably right team that lost in the conference championship game that has not been playing well for like six weeks over a team that went undefeated. Yeah, one loss against Oregon, and they beat yeah. Oregon earlier in the year. So sure, I get that we you know we we I understand the argument undefeated teams, but. Erica, thank you so much for the super chat. We appreciate that. Uh, Mark is 100% correct. Many Michigan fans seem to be overlooking Iowa and or straight up disrespecting, in my opinion, even if they'll deny that last part all day. Can I just say some of the people in the Michigan fan base are some of the nastiest people. I mean, I mean, seriously, some of the nastiest people reside in that fan base. And that's not stereotyping the fan base as a whole. But I do these shows every single week, Mark, every single week. And I thought two years ago when I made the, the pick of Iowa over Michigan that the pushback that I got was just because people were angry about the pick. But I mean, I see so many nasty people in the chat. It's just amazing to me. And I know they're all Michigan fans, and that's fine. But it's like, I don't know where that comes from. I don't get that from any other fan base. I, I have not heard, I've not gotten that from any, including Nebraska fans, including Iowa State fans. I don't I don't get it from any other fan base. I, I just thought I'd mention that. You're an Ohio State guy at heart, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Ohio State guy, and if they would have won last week and played Iowa, I would be taking that game seriously. I would be... Would I think that Ohio State was going to win the game? I wouldn't even say comfortably, but in a less than down to the wire fashion, yes. Would the point spread have been almost exactly what it is? Yes. 
but I would be concerned. I would, I would give Iowa the respect that they've earned and believe that Iowa had a legitimate chance of winning that game and would There's watch just, that game with a lot of intent. It's just amazing the lack of modesty within fan base, specifically what I'm talking about with certain people in this fan base, the lack of modesty, the lack of humility, the lack of self-awareness, the lack of a filter. Like I say, I just, it, you know, I know everybody gets bold when they're behind a keyboard, but it's just amazing to me. And and that's, you know, everybody has a right to say what they want to say within the confines of our, of our, uh, our little unwritten bylaws, but I just think it's funny. And I will say that as an Ohio State fan, it's not like I've never been arrogant. I, I have certainly crossed the line into arrogance many times. I fully admit that. Absolutely. Yeah. I like I'm to throw so around the best winning percentage of all time all over the place. And I'm just telling you, I, I Iowa has played Ohio State and I've done shows. And, you know, the people, at least the people who are watching those shows, they may be confident, but, you know, <laughs> we don't need to go back and read some of these these comments, but it's just it's just it's just a different level of arrogance and stupidity. And I, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I think you know what I'm saying. But oh, I do know what you're saying. I, and I don't um, I think I you don't understand it based on a prediction. I'll tell you what it screams to me. It screams rancid of a fan base who is still not over the dominance that it suffered as the little brother of not only Ohio state, but Michigan state for a good portion of the century. I think that's still what it is. And these last three wins, they've not really, even though they've convinced themselves like up here in here, they're not convinced that they're still not second fiddle to Ohio state. I see a lot of the same passion and anger from that rivalry that comes over the week after. Cause it's the same thing that happened two years ago, right? Michigan had beaten Ohio state for the first time in how long, I just I, that's what I feel. I think there's still a bit of a uh, lack of self-confidence and self-respect that I get with with some of the people in the, the Michigan fan base. No, it's not everybody. There's a lot of people that are really great. People. Like your caller, you got like John and Ben and uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other. Mike, Ford. Mike is a great guy. Great guy, Mike. Love Mike. He was on the show last night. Um, so I just think it's interesting. I, I We said the same thing two years ago, and I thought, well, maybe that was just because of my prediction. Apparently not. <laughs> and again, I don't understand it based on the prediction because it's not like after the game, certainly, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure you had, you had some nuanced evaluation and analysis of the game to say, had this gone a little bit differently, Iowa may have stayed in the game longer and those sorts of things. But you in no way tried to dismiss that result, but you made a prediction. So we're all making predictions these viewers, actually, you guys want us to make predictions. I'm asked to make predictions all the time. And I, I find it, and you know, of course, I've got these team channels. And so I've got shows all over the place. As soon as I make a prediction against a team, you're a hater. You hate us. You're a hater. No, I'm making a prediction. <laughs> I don't care about your team. <laughs> I'm going to print up. T-shirts, Voice of College football shirts that say, I don't care about your team. I just cover the sport. Yeah, exactly. You were going to do that a long time ago, weren't you? I also thought of another one because I stated this to somebody the other day. Oh, that whole Facebook thing with the Miami people. Did I tell you about I told you about that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the whole Miami thing. And you do a lot of work with Miami fan base. Absolutely. And, And my other slogan is going to be, be a fan just don't be a dumb fan. So you can be a fan. We understand everybody's biased. Be a fan. Just don't be a dumb fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mike, coming back here. We appreciate uh, the contribution, sir. Think about it from their perspective. Their coach was suspended half the season, and they think they're innocent despite the evidence. And that's something I talked to Steve Dace about uh, the last time I had him on uh, because I wanted to kind of steer clear of all of that business. But it's it's hard to do that if you're going to have a real conversation about all this. And uh, I said there has to be there's an admittance to wrongdoing if 
the coach is suspended and the school and the coach accepted the suspension where at first they didn't. And then they changed their minds and said, sure, we'll take our medicine. Um, let me see here. I was trying to find the, uh, there was a comment that I wanted to address here. Let me see if I can find it before we wrap this thing up. Um, Where is it now? Oh, Wolverine Magic. I don't see anyone being nasty. Well, uh, you don't see anyone being nasty because I'm guessing this is what you're used to. This is that. This is how you communicate with one another on a regular basis. So, of course, you don't view anything as like that as nasty. But we in the real world that try to communicate with each other as uh, human beings, right, with respect and you know some level of decorum, right. Uh, we, we try to communicate with each other in a different way. But anyways, um, I, I, I start a few things for you to, to look at, Mark. <laughs> this is the only week this would happen. This is the only week that this would turn into any sort of a conversation. You know, and, and by the way, I don't see, I've never heard Jim Harbaugh be, you know, I thought it was a little bit, definitely unsportsmanlike what Jim Harbaugh did at the end of the game in 2021. Now I know I'll get ripped for saying that because that'll just make people so upset. But, but besides that, I've never heard anything, Jim Harbaugh say anything controversial about Iowa. He doesn't, he's not like PJ Fleck where he's got to be front and center all the time. Um, You know, th- this, this narrative that I called this Jared guy that just popped up and it's the same guy that jumped on my show last night. He just gave you a super chest. So you might as well acknowledge the, the 499 that he dropped. There's this narrative, Mark, that I said that Michigan fans were poor two years ago. When did I ever say that Michigan fans were poor? Poor? <laughs> poor. That's kind of an odd description. Poor? <laughs> well, the, 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 what was said two years ago was I just, we were talking about how many fans, this is another part of why Michigan fans got so up in arms about my analysis, is they didn't like the fact that I wondered, hey, Michigan fans two years ago, they were in Ann Arbor, went all out for that Ohio State game. Maybe some of them don't make the trip because it's a foregone conclusion. They believe they're going to win against Iowa anyway, so why spend the money to go to Indy? Now, I I was wrong on that. They were, I think Mason Richmond said yesterday that it was like 80-20 Michigan fans in Indy two years ago, and it'll probably be that way again this year. But never did I ever call Michigan fans poor. Never said that. Not once. (laughs) and and michigan fans certainly michigan is the standard currently in this conference they have earned that we will see what the ncaa has to say about that but for right now they've earned that they've won three years in a row or i'm sorry they have beaten ohio state three years in a row they are attempting to win a third consecutive big 10 championship game this saturday uh and they've had the best record um and again, I'm going to withhold anything about this NCAA investigation. To me, it's simply that there is a there's no question that there was cheating done, um, and it's being dealt with. It has been dealt with by the Big Ten. Now, whether that cheating infiltrated the entire coaching staff up to Harbaugh, that to me is enormous. It's huge. That's everything. Because he still didn't have control over the program and his coaching staff, and they still did things against the rules that need to be dealt with uh, by the NCAA, but in a very marginalized way, maybe some scholarships or some recruiting visits, a fine, that sort of thing. But if Harbaugh is involved, then to me, that, that needs to be dealt with in a harsh way. I agree. And and that probably means vacation of wins. Right? Yeah, which which I I personally hate because what do you do with those games and those championships? They're just you can't hand it to the next team. As somebody stated on one of my shows, I think you know that Michigan won its thousandth game as a program a couple of weeks ago, that they will be the 
also the second team to win a thousand games. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We'll see. We will see. I just want, I want the investigation to be thorough and fair and the truth to surface and it to be dealt with in whatever appropriate manner. And if that means there is absolutely nothing beyond this, or if other teams are involved, other schools and their football, absolutely, whomever it is. By the way, real quick, uh, Moose, this guy talking about being respectful and he was mocking ROC for being emotional. What a hypocrite. (laughs) 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 Yes, I... (laughs) <laughs> well, oh. I also think that as okay, we're on here doing a football show, and there's analysis there and our opinion. And we tend to, and I think this is proper in society, to hold people that hold that kind of uh position or leadership to conduct themselves a certain way. So I wasn't quite as harsh as Corey, but I I did kind of cringe and raise my eyebrow when I saw that. I was like, what is going on here? I I made clips of this several times. I I won't. This is the last time I'm going to even address it. Kirk Ferentz cries all the time. He got emotional again today during his press conference because someone acted. uh, Someone brought up how um, the players have talked about how you really have a, a individual relationship with each one of them and he looked down and he got teary-eyed he got he started to cry again it's it's every day so i'm nothing against it i'm just talking about the uncontrollable sobbing that's all i'm talking about (laughs) we appreciate y'all being here at the voice of college football yes we did promote that steve dace michigan podcast would be on uh something must have come up there so we apologize uh for that But uh, Corey and I are here. We're here every Tuesday, folks, 5.30 Eastern, 4.30 Central. And we always enjoy the conversation with all of you. So, again, it's every Tuesday with Corey and myself. I believe Corey is frozen. So I'll speak for Corey. From the Hawkeye of the Storm is the platform for Iowa football, men's and women's basketball. So get on over to the site uh, from the Hawkeye of the Storm with Corey. And of course, here at the Voice of College Football, in one half hour, we will do our college football playoff rankings watch party. So get set for that. Join us again at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time in one half hour for the college football playoff rankings watch party. Sounds good, Mark. And uh, anything else? No, that's uh, that's it. Your interest in these college football playoff rankings, if Iowa wins on Saturday, will go from zero to 100. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, if they win, I mean, again, if, if I think it's clear that if some of these other results don't happen, it won't matter. But I'll be intrigued to know where Iowa's going bowling because if they win, they'll likely go to a New Year's Six Bowl. So, well, they have to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, right? That's... Aren't they insured a New Year's Six Bowl? Their conference if they game? win the game, yeah, they're the Big Ten champions. Yep. Yes. So I'll be uh, I'll be intrigued by it either way. All right, Corey. Anything that uh, everyone needs to know? Uh, well, do ask the dude in the comment section. Asked Corey, can you do a live watch party along uh, with us Saturday night? Um, I know there's probably some sarcasm there. I'm going to be at the game, covering the game in the press box. So no, I will not be doing that. But thank you for asking. Um, I'll be happy to do a post-game show after, as I always do, with Coach Patterson. Josephine, look at that. Iowa 19, Michigan 18. That is an Iowa score. Like that. So Josephine has faith. Gotta have faith. Who was that? Who who was that that sang that song? That was uh George yeah. Michael. George Michael, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, again, Corey, I'm glad that uh, you got the credentials. Looking forward to the coverage. And uh, yeah, you should be there for sure. So that's a good thing. All right, Corey, any basketball to cover this week? 
post game show tomorrow for men and uh, got women early Saturday. So depending on uh, when I'm where, <laughs> based on uh, um, getting out to Indy, we'll uh, we'll have some coverage there as well. So and then uh, podcast coming with Don Patterson over the next couple of days, two part podcast previewing this game. So. So the watch party folks in a half hours over on the main channel, we will see you then.